Hello and welcome to a very special episode of The Rating Room. It's Valentine's Day and love is in the air. So we are bringing you a romantic classic in the form of You've Got Mail. Sorry Jay, I, I just don't think we can do this. I thought you wanted to spend Valentine's Day with me, Andy. Yeah, I just think we should be friends instead. No hard feelings? No hard feelings. Financially strapped, Maddie takes a bizarre job dating a wealthy couple's introverted son, Percy, to toughen him up before college. As Maddie attempts to transform Percy into a party-loving Casanova, unexpected connections form, challenging expectations and forcing both to confront their vulnerabilities. However, with Maddie facing foreclosure and Percy grappling with his true desires, their unconventional summer fling faces a ticking clock and the potential for messy fallouts. Now, Jay, that is the film No Hard Feelings in a nutshell. And as always, I need to ask you the first question. Have you seen this before and what do you remember about it? So, Andy, I think this is possibly the third time this has happened where I haven't seen the film before. Um, But, and to be completely honest, Andy, I hadn't even seen the trailer before. I was aware of the film and I think it's because I'm not a big fan of Jennifer Lawrence, really. So I've come into this episode with a completely blank slate. So obviously I've watched the film now, Andy, and I've watched the trailer, um, but it was completely new experience. How about you, Andy? Have you seen this one before? So like you, it's a new one for me as well. And I think this is probably the first time that neither of us have seen a film going into an episode of The Rating Room. Now, I should probably clear up a little bit of confusion. Last week, I said, between the episode that we'd be talking about, You've Got Mail. And that was the original plan, but uh, the gods of streaming have conspired against us. And we couldn't get to watch it without paying extra. And I thought, you know, do we really want to be paying more? Valentine's Day is expensive enough. So we came up with a plan B. And this was the plan B. A rom-com that neither of us had ever seen before. Hence why you're getting that today. So, essentially, Andy, I'm a cheap date. Yeah, or you could look at it, I'm just not willing to spend money on you. (laughs) It's... It's, yes, Valentine's Day. Although, Andy, to be fair, we've both been married a long time now. Do you even bother with Valentine's cards? No, I don't bother anymore. I mean, married to me every day is Valentine's Day. (laughs) It is a gift every day. So, let's get into the film. As always, um, I like to kick things off with the box office. So, the film is obviously fairly new. It came out last year, so... When you look at the budget, it's going to be quite high, and same um, in terms of the box office as well. So the budget was $45 million. The box office was $83.5 million. And as I alluded to earlier, the film only came out last year. So when I ran it through the sausage machine in terms of the adjustments, it comes out exactly the same, Andy, $83.5 million. It's, it's too new to be adjusted, is that what you're saying? It is too new to be adjusted. I, I was expecting a little shift, if I'm honest, with the cost of living, but not, a, not, not even a penny movement. That's just poor software, I think. If it's doing it as a yearly inflation thing, I understand. But um, it's probably slightly up from, from where it was before, so we'll, we'll just go with it as it is. But uh, if, if we, anyone is listening to this in the future... Feel free to do your own calculations. Maybe we need to revisit this in the future. Not in terms of adjusting the box office, but because the film only came out last year, maybe there'd be, I don't know, have any kind of 
runs in any other countries, maybe delayed releases. It's something I was going to put on the on the scheduling ball, so to speak, to check that one again. Not to not to adjust it, just to adjust the the original box office takings, which will therefore play through the adjusted box office. If you understand what I mean, an adjusted adjustment. <laughs> yes, yeah. As I mentioned, the film obviously was released last year, and it did have a limited run in the theaters. And it did take full spot in the US weekend box office charts in its opening weekend, so not too bad a performance. Now, the film remained at fourth place the following week before sliding down the charts over the next few weeks before dropping out of the top ten by week six. So it didn't hang around in the charts for very long. No, it was pretty quick in and out, wasn't it, in some regards? Now, it should be noted that by that time, the film was only in 311 theatres nationally in the US, before being reduced to 114 in week 7, and then by week 8 down to 48 theatres. So that's obviously going to have an impact on the chart position of the top 10. Now, anecdotally, we tend to find that R-rated comedies don't usually have long successful runs in the theatres these days due to digital streaming format, which tends to favour these types of films. Indeed. So when we've been researching No Hard Feelings, I think it's, it's quite a good comparison, actually, to do against the film that we recently reviewed, The Hangover, because uh, obviously that film, um, as we mentioned, was R-rated. It's a comedy as well. Let's say the romantic side, uh, but it is a comedy. Um, and if you haven't listened to that episode, make sure you do go back and listen to that um, one again, because it was a good film. Now, No Hard Feelings opening weekend US performance was $15 million. And um, as we uh, mentioned, um, it wasn't in many theatres, but it was in 3,208 theatres in its opening weekend. Now, The Hangover took 44.9 million in its opening weekend in the US. And it was only in slightly more theatres, around roughly 50 more. Now, that's not too dissimilar when you're comparing the numbers, but a massive difference in box office performance. Yeah, um, and especially considering the time difference as well. So The Hangover so far is by far the more successful of the films. Now, in terms of the charts, there were three films that kept No Harm Feelings from reaching the peak. They were Spider-Man, Across the Spider-Verse, Elemental, and The Flash. And if we look at the film's performance across the entirety of the 2023 US box office charts, the film was the 50th top-grossing film in the US that year. Yeah, and as I mentioned earlier, the, the film had a $45 million budget, uh, and the majority of that went to Jennifer Lawrence with 25 million she was paid for starring in No Hard Feelings. So a nice payday there. Now, industry experts state that a film needs to make roughly two to two and a half times the budget to be classed as successful at the box office. Yeah, close to the two times mark, wasn't it? But probably not quite there. It was largely successful in the US, but international box office performance was quite poor. Now, digging back past another layer, the film was released in 2023, as mentioned earlier. The director was Gene Stubnitsky, and the soundtrack composer was Michael Danner and Jessica Rose Weiss. Now, another star of the film was Andrew Barth Feldman. This was actually just his second film role, not counting the cameo of himself in the 2020 concert film about Ben Platt. However, he has performed on a number of stage shows, including Catch Me If You Can and Dear Evan Hansen. Won a couple of awards for Best Actor in his portrayal of Frank Abagnale Jr. in Catch Me If You Can 
and was nominated for the lead role in Evan Hansen. So he's uh, he's got some acting chops from a stage perspective. Now the director, Gene Stubnitsky, was the writer of a couple of films before taking the director's chair in the film Good Boys, which he was also credited as the film's writer. No Hard Feelings was Stubnitsky's second directing gig, and he was also credited with writing the films Year One, starring Jack Black and Michael Serra, and Bad Teacher, starring Cameron Diaz and Justin Timberlake. Yeah, and Catch Me If You Can, we obviously covered that in Season 2, with our Tom Hanks season, so a nice little nod there, um, back to Season 2. Now, Jennifer Lawrence was the highest paid actress in 2015 and 2016, and has appeared in nearly 30 films to date, I think she's probably known for her roles in The Hunger Games, which I've seen the first two, and the X-Men um, franchise as well. And she has also appeared in other major films, including Passengers, Joy, and Don't Look Up. Now, Matthew Broderick, who I didn't realise was in the film before watching it, plays Percy's dad. And he's famous for a string of successful films as well, including Ferris Bueller's Day Off, War Games, Glory, Godzilla, and many more. And I think the one film that I think of when I think of Broderick is Inspector Gadget, Andy, from my childhood. Although I do love the film War Games and Glory. I love Glory. I watched that recently, actually. Uh, I vaguely remember him in Inspector Gadget. I do have to question whether he was actually part of your childhood, though, because I'm sure that was in the 2000s. Um, but um, I, I would, we were chatting, me and my wife, as we watched the film. And Shane, he looks familiar. And I, I was reeling off all the films that he'd been in. You know, I'd mentioned like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, War Games, Glory, Godzilla, and all the others I could find that I thought she might have heard of on his Wikipedia page. She didn't know any of them from that, but he, she knew him from something really, really random that uh, I've never seen, never heard of, but she's apparently watched. And I can't remember what it is. So uh, that was a complete waste of time, me telling you that story. <laughs> but um, Andy, so it, the film was released in 1999. I've just done a very quick bit of Googling there. So not your childhood, <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> you were a fully-fledged adult by the time it was released. It was there or thereabouts. Maybe I was child in mind. Ch- childlike, yes. <laughs> yeah, childlike. Now, another one of the film's stars was Laura Benanti, who plays Percy's mum. She had a very successful Broadway career, which has included five Tony Award nominations. She's only been in a few films to date, but has featured in a range of TV shows and films, including Gossip Girl, The Detour, Supergirl, and Go On. The film was inspired by a real Craigslist ad, which was sent to the director by a couple of producers. Now, Andy, you know my memory's not that great. We covered a f- it was the hangover, wasn't it? Where they were saying, um, do you remember it was inspired by a real life event? It was a hangover, wasn't it? I believe it was, yes. Yes, I remember that. Yes, so we've had a couple uh, inspirations from real life um, in, in our mixtape season. Yes, so uh, we'll, we'll say this is based on a true story, even though the film doesn't necessarily say that's. But uh, let's, let's get, talk about the film in a bit more detail, shall we? So as we get into the start of the film, there is a car on the driveway that's about to be towed, and uh, Maddie comes out, tries it on with the guy who's towing the car away. I think his name's Gary, um, and it sounds very much like he's an ex, and uh, he'd uh, she'd ghosted him, hadn't she? And uh, then he looks behind her, and this Italian guy in very small underwear comes out onto the porch, and um, he, then he comes up behind her and starts groping her breasts. And... Um, Based on what she said about who he was, I would say her cousin, or is it second cousin, is uh, is very friendly, isn't he? 
He is. I think it's the, the second cousin because I think she says, oh, this is my cousin. Then he starts groping. Second cousin kind of thing quickly follows. Yeah, I don't think he was buying it, was he, Gary? <laughs> no, no, he wasn't. Now, Maddie attempts to steal the car back while the bloke is trying to figure out what to buy from the shop. And I thought this was good because she mentions, doesn't she, when she's talking to Gary when he's about to tow the truck, that... Um, one of the things that she didn't like was that he was indecisive. And then there's a little nod to his indecisiveness because he can't decide which type of, I think it's a pastry or a cake or something in the shot that he wants. Uh, yes, he is uh, He is very indecisive. I'd say that quietly. Uh, <laughs> to be uh, honest, Andy, if I, was in, if I was in that situation, I'd probably just buy both. Yeah, all, all of the above. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good thing about being an adult. Anyway, let's get back on track. So Maddie's in the bar where she's she's working, slicing up some lemons, and a customer comes up, wants in a drink, and she refuses to serve him because it isn't noon. And he shows her his phone and says, yeah, it is noon, even though the phone clearly says 11.57. And um, they have a bit of a back and forth. He tries to bribe her. She's really rude to him. So the customer speaks to her boss who appears on the scene and says he wants her fired. And uh, the boss says, uh, I can't fire her. She has a disability. To which Maddie's like, no, I don't. And uh, the boss looks surprised at her and goes, well, that's the only reason I hired you. <laughs> now, later on, a friend, and I can't remember who her friend's name is, actually, she finds an advert to date a 19-year-old in exchange for her car, which she obviously needs because um, she has an Uber job that we find out and her car's obviously been taken away. Now, oh, Sarah's partner, that's who her friend is, um, I think Jim is really funny. He's not in it a lot in this film, but he does have some funny throwaway comments. He he definitely does add to the comedy in this um, uh, in the few scenes that he's in. I, I like the character. Now, as a result of seeing this advert, she goes to see the parents of the 19-year-old in question. She roller skates all the way there because she's not got a car after all. And um, I thought it was quite funny when they were kind of introducing themselves and uh, the the parent the father was like my name's Laird and she's like Laird Laird and there's just this back and forth and then he says just call me Laird to which she mutters under her breath I can't which I just thought was uh, was quite amusing so Maddie sits down with the parents and the parents tell her that the kid Percy he can't know about this arrangement but she has to date him yes very um she wanted to clarify whether it was dating or date him, didn't she? Now, the kid, who is obviously Percy, um, we, f- we, we, we meet him for the first time because he's volunteering at the local rescue centre and Maddie goes to see him. Now, she is trying it on, uh, but it doesn't seem to work. And Andy, I just want to say something before um, you jump in, I can see you want to jump in. The things with trailers I find a bit frustrating with comedy is when they put something in the trailer it takes away the moment from the film so do you know what i mean this scene made me laugh in the trailer but when it came on the screen it was like oh i've seen it already yeah they they put the best bits of the, the scene into the trailer so then you're not necessarily getting anything too much more but um yeah she's trying it on including uh, using the line can i touch your wiener your dog um, it's so awkward, isn't it? They're having, you know, they're having a conversation. She's pretending she's wanting to adopt a dog, and he's 
filling in the forms and not he's just not getting anything that she's saying um then she gives him a lift home sticks his bike in the back of the van that she's borrowed and um he's getting pretty freaked out because he looks around he sees a load of knives and pretty dangerous equipment in the back of the van and he uses mace on her twice um in another funny scene uh, but they do arrange to go on a date the next day. So, you know, maybe she has worked her charms in, in some regards. Uh, but then we get on to the date. And um, m- the note I wrote was, what the f*** is he wearing? <laughs> Just He's wearing, like, shorts with a jacket, shirt and tie. Um, and everyone in the bar is looking at him like, what is this kid doing? It's It's really, really funny, his arrival. It is funny because obviously the the camera focuses on his top, so you think, oh, everyone's looking at him because he's gone to just like a regular bar, very formal, and you can kind of think, oh, he, he might have not done that very often. You know, he's a bit nervous. He wants to be presentable on his date, and then it pans out, and he's wearing shorts, which it was quite funny. Now, I can't remember what drink he was drinking. Was it like? It was uh, Long Island iced tea. That's it, Long Island iced tea. And he spits out um, his drink. I've never had one of those. Or maybe I have. I don't know. Um, but I thought, uh, he spits it out, and um, they are interrupted by uh, one of their exes. So that's two exes so far um, that we meet of Maddie's. Now, a little bit later on, they go to the beach. Um, but he's still not receptive to advances, which you would think he would be because they've gone skinny dipping in the sea. It's night time. Um, he he says, I think he even says he's a bit tipsy, and obviously she's not, um, but she's kind of playing along. Um, and like I said, she's she's completely naked, he is as well, and in the water. Now, some drunken kids um, come on the beach, and they steal their clothes, which is quite funny. But she's quite aggressive, and she goes on, you know, on the actual beach, um, fully naked, and she beats them up, which is really impressive. Now... I, I said to the missus here that they must have used a, a stunt double, a body double here, and then actually paused the film and Googled it, and she actually filmed these scenes herself. So there are no body doubles used at all, which I think is um, really surprising. Yes, I'm, I'm not necessarily sure that Jennifer Lawrence is known for her nude scenes. I I'm, not a film with her in, I'm not familiar with her entire filmography, easy for me to say. But uh, I don't recall her being a um, repeat nude offender, as it were. So, yeah, a bit, a bit surprised by this. She was one of those celebrities that had um, uh, photos leaked on her mobile phone account, like in a cloud or something, in, you know, the Apple one. She was one of those famous celebrities then, you know, a few uh, years right, ago. Yeah, yeah, okay. I know what you mean. But yes, I'm a bit, I don't believe she wanted to strip down in X Men, um, and I've only seen the first two Hunger Games and she wouldn't have stripped down in that so yeah and last I've seen the odd one um, of her other films yeah a little bit surprised by that but uh, I'm not going to complain um, it was definitely a very unique fight scene that's for sure uh, I don't think I've seen many fight scenes quite like that but it was it was very amusing the The kids were giving as good as they got as well I think one of the lads got her in a headlock at one point and she, uh, she picked him up and dropped him on his head on the beach it was uh yeah, it was a good scene. Good scene for many reasons. Now, later on, they go back to her place. You know, they've got the clothes back. Everything's sorted. And she's trying to seduce him again. And um, 
she puts the music on and she's kind of like sexy dancing and she gives him a lap dance and all the way through I'm like hiding behind my fingers it's like I can't watch this it's so cringy it was very very awkward Andy very awkward and everything she tries just doesn't work and he does suffer from kind of like this anxiety attack where he's, he breaks out in a rash and it's all on his back um, as well. And they do share a nice moment here because she's putting cream on his back. So that is kind of like a tender point now. So it's gone from kind of like a, a seduction scene to, to something completely different. Yeah, it's... Um, yeah, tender is a good a good word for the for the scene. He kind of opens up to a... Uh, you get an idea of why he's so shy. I think he mentioned something that happened in his past that was really embarrassing. And uh, she you can tell she's feeling quite sorry for him. And I felt sorry for him here as well. I thought, you know, for a, a young lad of 19 to go through things like that, it's, you know, it's difficult enough navigating the world when it's so confusing. And, you know, judging by how his parents are with him, you can kind of understand that he's probably not had the, the most normal of upbringings. Uh, yeah, this just kind of adds a little bit of uh, of context as to why he is like he is. But it's not over. They do have another date the following day, and uh, there's a nice montage of uh, the various different activities that they get up to, including uh, getting kicked out of uh, an arcade, don't they, where when... Um, what is she doing? She's kind of ruining the day of this little kid who's trying to, like, play basketball or something, isn't it? Yeah, she, we see him. Um, we see her cheating at Laser Quest or whatever um, it's called as well. It's a it's a fun scene, but you know, nice nice they're done in a bit of a montage. You can say they're having a lot of fun together. They are, and it doesn't end there because they arrange to go on a, a really fancy date, actually dinner date. And we see him playing the piano, and he's singing this song called Man Eater, which he he mentions earlier on that it's um, about. He thinks it's some kind of monster, doesn't he? I can't remember which scene it is, but he does mention it um, earlier on. In the bar. Yeah, when they're in the bar and they're talking about it. Yes. Yeah, 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 that's right. And it's a nice little nod um, earlier on. And I think he even says that he learned um, how to play it since they last met or something. Now, the dinner date doesn't go very well, though, because um, he, he, he sees someone, or someone that um, he, he went to school with comes over, but also, he then starts talking longer term about what they're going to do, you know, because from his point of view, they're dating now, and he's obviously going off to Princeton. She's going to stay there. Uh, he, he mentions it's, it's five hours by train or car. I can't remember which way it was. Uh, but it's a significant distance. Um, and that that's obviously not, not what she's been recruited to do. Um, so I think she's feeling a bit uneasy at this point here. Now, they, they 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 do fall out, and he ends up going to this house party with this um, young girl, um, inviting him obviously earlier on, and he goes to this house party. Now, Andy, I made a note here to say a lot happened when they go in the house party because I had, uh, like I said, I haven't seen this film before, so I was just watching this because. Uh, there was a lot of things happening. All the young kids, like boys and girls, were just staring at her because she's obviously quite a bit older. Um, she she gets into an argument with a couple of jocks, I'd say, as well. So a lot of things happening. So I was just enjoying this whole scene I was. So that, that's my comment. A lot happens when they go to the house party. The whole setup to it as well was really good. So when they're in the, the restaurant and um, 
is, it, is her name Natalie, the girl that um, he speaks to and she invites him to the party. And you think, well, maybe he's not so shy after all because he's got this this young girl who's talking to him. I did make a, a note of a quote and uh, I, I don't think I added it to the note, so you won't have seen this. But when, when she goes away and you can see that Maddie's looking quite jealous at this point, she says to him, don't remember ordering a phony bitch for dessert, <laughs> which I thought was a really fun line. But yeah, once they get to the party... You know, he's, um, Percy's, he's gone, you know, he's he's upset with her and uh, she's wandering around asking where he is, basically. Um, and the the argument you, meant, uh, you mentioned with the jocks, uh, the thing that I took from that is that as soon as she said something back, everyone just started filming her. Like, and I don't know if that's the thing, you know, you see these kind of things these days where people are like, oh, I'm going to film him, film such and such because, you know, it's evidence or whatever. But it's like everything she says is under scrutiny because she's being filmed. And I think that she's accused of being homophobic at one point because she makes some some comment. And, yeah, it's, the whole thing is just, I don't know, it's it's a bit much, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, and it makes you wonder if that's what house parties are like. Because I think if I was younger, if a, an attractive older lady came in, I don't think she would have got that kind of reception that the house parties have been to. Uh, yeah, I've never been to a house party like that, that's for sure. Um, but uh, I don't know if I would survive as a, as a modern-day youngster. It's a, it's a very different set of rules they play by, isn't it? But uh, eventually she does find Percy. He's he's not well, I think... Um, He's taken something, hasn't he? Taken some drugs or something. So she drags him to the toilet to make him throw up to make him feel better. And then the dad comes out. So the dad's at the party, um, which is a bit weird. And uh, he starts having a go at Maddie. And Percy wants to, like, take up for her. Um, and he takes a swing at him. <laughs> and it doesn't quite go to plan. And uh, he connects fully with Maddie's throat uh, in a, another really funny scene. Yeah, this made me laugh because the the bit where... She she interrupts him in bed. The the girl, which I can't remember her name, says something like, "He's taken a pill," and obviously you think it's it's some kind of drug or something. And then he he's she's trying to get him to bring it up in the toilet, doesn't she? And then he says something like, "It's ibuprofen or yeah, or it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't it, yeah, it's not actually drugs. You just think you just think he has. So, that that made me laugh, and then that bit with the fight, yeah, when <laughs> that did me, because in this film there were some bits that I, I just chuckled at or just smiled, and then there was there was probably um, the wiener bit, this bit, and maybe the the wrestling on the beach that I actually lolled, laughed out loud kind of thing. The other times it was just a little bit of a chuckle or a smile. These were like the, I think the like the highlights. Yeah, this was a definite standout moment. Uh, so they leave the party, they're back in the limo, and um, it looks like maybe things are about to happen. But then he kind of ruins the moment, doesn't he, because he tells her that he loves her. Yeah, and this is... I I don't... No, I'm a little bit frustrated, Andy, because I went into this film, after watching the trailer, after we were talking about which film to watch, you know, to replace You've Got Mail, I thought the trailer was going to be more uh, kind of like American Pie, kind of like that kind of humour. Whereas the film was, she was like the comedy side of things, but then he was like trying to do the romantic side of things. And 
it's like a bit of a, a mismatch between the two. So I don't know, like, is it supposed to be kind of like the the type of comedy films that we not not grew up on, Andy? But you know, when we were younger, like American Pies, um, and the other films that we've spoken off air about um, before. But it's not like that. So I was a little bit disappointed because it was like try to be the romance, but then it was try to be the comedy, and I don't think it got either quite right. And it was like that bit was just another kind of um, highlight where you just had these two conflicting kind of, I don't know, genres, um, and it didn't quite work for me here. I, uh, I'm i not sure. I think at this point she's starting to see that actually maybe it's not a good idea because of his feelings, but then he's obviously clueless to, as to the arrangement and he's falling for her. And you, I think at this point you know it's going to end in tears. And I think it's 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 not paint by numbers. I think that's too harsh. But I think there's an expectation of what's going to happen at this point. And I think what I was expecting at this point is that they would eventually get together. You know, you know he's going to find out at some point because that's what always happens. And then they'll they'll be a a breakup. But then they'll get back together and they'll live happily ever after. It's kind of what I was expecting. Um, and I th- so I think it's kind of following that, uh, that kind of story, like all that you know, that that template so far. Um, but uh, there's still a little bit more to go. But I, I I get what you mean. It's it's a it's a slightly odd dynamic at the moment. But uh, I don't know. I think it kind of works up to this point because obviously there's a um, an age gap. I can't remember what her age is. I think she's thirty two. So yeah, I, I was I, before I watched it. I thought like what you were saying there, that they they're gonna live happily ever after together, and it's just they're just conflicting at the moment. And obviously, we're gonna find out how it ends soon. He he does so. Percy does tell his parents that he's not going to Princeton um, because of Maddie, because he's obviously in love with her. And then he goes into the car, and I think it's a Tesla. And he's 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 playing around with it. I think he's trying to connect a call, and it accidentally logs on or interrupts the call between Maddie and his parents. And he obviously finds out about the deal now, so he's not a happy bunny at all. Yeah, this this is the moment you're you're expecting to happen. You know he's got to find out, and uh, the way he finds out obviously is is crushed. So um, he decides now he knows about the car. He's going to smash it up because that'll teach him, won't it? Um, so he, his friend from the dog shelter comes over and they they smash the car or attempt to smash the car up and, and then eventually do. It's a funny scene because the first thing he does is he grabs a crowbar and starts whacking the windows um, and making zero damage <laughs> to the car. And my wife, actually, she pointed out a bit of a continuity error or a, a mistake here that she saw the crowbar bend. So she know she knew straight away it wasn't a real crowbar because it kind of bent like rubber. So, uh, bit of bit of a continuity error for the for those of you that are watching out for it, but uh, you know they're they're uh, they're having dinner together, aren't they, at the parents' house? So Maddie's there, Percy's there, the parents are there, and uh, it's a bit tense. But they go into his bedroom, and uh, they decide now's the time. So they're gonna they're gonna do it. And um, the only comment that really needs to be made here is that the poor lobster. It's one of those, if you know, you know. But it still counts, though, doesn't it? That still counts, right? I think for um, a male, it counts, definitely. And I... 
when I when I was watching it with the missus, I said, "What was that? Was that a, a lobster or a shrimp?" Because I didn't quite make it out. And she said, "Oh, it is a lobster," and it, I think it was pink or purple. And I thought, "Oh, poor thing," because I think she says it was on, it was like meleg or something, doesn't she? But I think at a young age, you you, you definitely count that. Now, there is a, a funny scene between. Maddie and some random bloke as well and the the finger trap which was I think this I think this was too obvious because I was saying to my wife I said this film isn't what I was expecting I said it's okay but it wasn't what I expected and then when he was she was sat on a sofa with the bloke and he said oh close your eyes I said oh he's going to do that fin with the finger trap in his is um, penis and then obviously that happened so I think that was like a bit obvious and she said look you, you obviously know like these kind of things or something like that you must be liking it I said oh it, it's okay she said oh you've been laughing and I said yeah there were like some funny bits but I thought that bit was I thought it was funny but I think it was obviously set up earlier on in the film you know when Percy does it with with Maddie and says how to um, get it off yeah I I, was, I mean, I was, I was expecting it because it's quite juvenile, but I thought the outcome of that would be that she now realises that, you know, the normal kind of men she goes after are not mature and it's Percy that she wants and that she'd fall in love with him now and they'd all, you know, they'd find a way to make it work. That's kind of where I was expecting it to go at this point. Um, but it's not quite how it works out, isn't it? No, and I, I agree. Uh, I was wondering if they were going to reconcile and like what you said, yeah, she's kind of matured now and wants to be different going forward. You know, she's moved on now from all her exes and, you know, the type of men that she, she usually dates or um, has one night stands with or short-lived relationships. So after all this, she goes to the Princeton Mixer to find Percy. And uh, they have a bit of a talk and a small argument and um, he goes to drive off, but she's not having it. So she holds on to the car bonnet, kind of like happened earlier on the scene, and he carries on driving. He goes onto the beach, I think they run over a barbecue or something, and she catches on fire. She does, and this is a bit where my wife referenced uh, um, Hunger Games. She says, oh, that's a nod to the Hunger Games when she's um, on fire. And she says, oh, in Hunger Games, and she, she um, essentially got the, the, the clip from YouTube. Where Have you seen Hunger Games, Andy? I've seen the first two. I've not seen the Mockingjay like ones. Yeah. So, you know the bit where she has a costume that goes on fire? Like they're doing uh, a, sh- uh, vague, a chariot. Yeah, vaguely. Yeah. I, well, yeah I, I couldn't remember it, but when she she showed me the, um, the clip, I remembered it. I thought, oh, yeah, nice little reference there um, from the wife. And because obviously she was watching the film, and she hasn't watched many of the season three mixtape episodes, um, but she watched this one. Now, Maddie, we find out she she goes and picks Percy up in like her Uber, and we find out she's got. Um, she, I can't remember how exactly she worded it, but it was alluding to she's got a new boyfriend, a new man, um, but it turns out she's actually adopted the old police dog, and. She's moving um, to Cal- um, She's moving to California, um, which I don't know why. I can't think about any time she mentioned California. I thought that was quite surprising because I had the feeling she was going to move to Princeton. Um, so she says she's going to move to Cal- um, California after she's given him a lift to Princeton. Now, 
I don't know America, Andy, so you might have known this already. I Google um, Earth this and I found where Princeton is and I look where California is. I knew where California was. And it's on the complete opposite side of America. So I was a little bit surprised because they've kind of grown in um, like the fondness of together. So I was expecting her to stay on the same side of America, not, not to date or anything, um, but to remain friends. And she hasn't. She's gone all the way to California, which is on the opposite side of America. Yeah, it's a long way to give him a lift, isn't it? And then then go home. But, uh, yeah, so we do get the happy ending after all. Maybe not quite the one we expected, and not a happy ending in that sense of the word, if you know what I mean. But it is a happy ending. They're going to stay friends. He's off to college. She's off for a new life for herself, away from her town. And um, all's well that ends well. So... Let's end this part of the podcast and move on to the all-important ratings. So, Jay, on, on your first watch of this film, what did you rate it out of 10? So, Andy, like I kind of alluded to earlier, I was a bit disappointed with this one. I thought the trailer looked good. And like I said, I was kind of expecting something like American Pie, um, old school, kind of that kind of humour where the humour is quite consistent um, throughout so after the film finished, I said to the missus, oh, that's, that's, you know, middle, you know, between five, six or seven, that is. And then I thought about it and I said, yeah, that, that's a six out of ten for me. So, yeah, I wasn't, like I said earlier, I think that the standout jokes we tended to see in the trailer. So it took a bit away from watching it in the film. There were some funny bits, but I think, like I said, it didn't know whether it wanted to be kind of like a randy comedy or more of a romantic one. And because they didn't get together, I don't think it was necessarily like a, a rom-com in terms of, you know, some funny films like, say, Notting Hill or Love Actually kind of rom-coms. Some more of the classic ones. So, yeah, 6 out of 10. Not not bad, um, but very average for me. What about you, Andy? I really enjoyed it, actually. I thought it was a nice, simple premise, you know, boy meets girl but boy's awkward and yeah needs needs this weird bet in place. We've seen we've seen this kind of thing in many many other films where they pretend you know one pretends to like the other, but then it's they find out the real reason behind it, so they fall out. But then it turns out he really does like her after all, or she really likes him after all. So it's it's not it's not groundbreaking in that regard. It follows a pretty simple premise, but I think there's a there's enough uh, enough funniness to make it a, a really good film. Like you said, some of the best bits were in the trailer. There's quite a few bits that were were laugh out loud. Some were just downright cringy, and some were were a little bit weird. But uh, on, on the whole, I just found myself really enjoying the film, and uh, I'm glad we we took this as our plan B. And I, for that reason, I went with seven out of ten. Yeah, so not too dissimilar. Um, you, you obviously liked it more more than me. Now, what do the good folks at IMDb think? Now. INDB obviously is a mark out of 10 and they do like the decimal places over there and it's 6.4 out of 10 so pretty much between my score and your score Andy. Yeah it's like they've uh, they've listened to this episode and not thought of their own opinion. Now <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes though was a little bit more generous. 70% on the tomatometer with an 87% audience score which is uh, certainly a, a vote of confidence if ever there was one. <laughs> Right, let's uh, let's close things down with our main feature, the whole reason we're here, and that is our rank bank. So, Jay, why don't you kick us off with some uh, runtimes? 
Surprisingly, the film was longer than I um, anticipated. So the film was one hour, 43 minutes. So that means it's three minutes longer than The Hangover and two minutes shorter than Layer Cake. So out of the six films we've watched so far, No Hard Feelings goes in at number four in terms of runtime. So let's uh, move on to the box office, which you alluded to earlier. $45 million budget, which is actually the second highest budget of any film we've watched in season three. But the worldwide box office, 83.4, 83.5 million, something around, around that range, puts it in fifth place out of six, only above Layer Cake, which we obviously spoke about in last week's episode, which was a really, really low box office of uh, of under 20 million in the adjusted stakes now film number four is die hard and that is still best part of 280 million higher in terms of box office taking so we do have a very clear divide between the top four and the bottom two um, but uh, i guess as we start to plug these gaps with even more films we'll see if that remains in place but uh, fifth out of six in terms of adjusted box office takings for no hard feelings so moving on to our genre ranking, so obviously, as we've mentioned a few times, No Hard Feelings is being classed as our comedy slash rom-con category. So, so far in season three, our mixtape season, we've got The Hangover and Elf. Now, No Hard Feelings is joining the charts today. So, obviously, I gave No Hard Feelings a score of six out of ten. And as a reminder, The Hangover, I gave eight out of ten in number one. Elf was also 8, but that was in number 2. We don't have any joint places here on the rating room. And that means No Hard Feelings joins the bottom of the table. Um, so third spot out of 3, with 6 in my ratings and rankings. What about you, Andy? Where did you place No Hard Feelings? I gave No Hard Feelings 7 out of 10, as, as mentioned, which puts it second in my ranking. Below Elf, which I gave 8 out of 10, and above The Hangover, which I gave 6 out of 10. I I enjoyed The Hangover. This just slightly edged it for me um, in terms of my enjoyment of it. Um, Elf, for me, is still head and shoulders above. So um, right in the middle. Second out of three so far. Which brings us to the end of another episode of The Rating Room. Um, thank you all for listening. Now, if you want to send us any questions or suggestions or even nice Valentine messages or feedback as well you might have, you can send them via our social media channels or by reaching out to us at theratingroom at gmail.com. You can find a whole bunch of stuff on our website, www.theratingroom.com and check out our YouTube channel for full episodes, videos, short content, all kinds of stuff. And that is at The Rating Room. Yes, and we're on all the major social media sites as well. So search for At The Rating Room and make sure you subscribe to our channels as well to stay up to date with the latest news. Award season is in full effect. And coming up in, in the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about some award-winning films for various reasons. One of, one of which is The Whale. Another one is the Marilyn Monroe biopic Blonde. And we're also going to be having an Oscars special in the coming weeks as well which will include our small screen rank bank on dexter season four all that is to come in the coming weeks so listen out for those and in the meantime enjoy your valentine's day whatever your plans are i guess you could uh rating room and chill that could be a new thing going forwards 
Uh, but in the meantime, thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.